we are dealing with fallen angels in the in the Ephesians chapter 6. Now, literally Lazarus, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. In other words, we are dealing with entities they don't eat, they don't drink, they don't sleep, they don't go on vacation like you and I do. Their mission is you and I. We are their preoccupation. They live to ensure that yonke into concerning your destiny in the earth never gets fulfilled, never sees light of day. That's their mission. That's what they live for. And um, I want you to understand also, family, they, they, are, they, they know you and I. They know our roots. Mina, in terms of my family tree, I can go back perhaps... If I am really doing a good job in terms of research, I can go about a hundred years. They go centuries. They go thousands of years. They know you. They know everything. They know, they understand human psychology. They understand human sociology. They understand what makes us break. They, they know your breaking point. They have, they have tracked your bloodline. Not for hundred years, for thousands of years. They know where you come from. So that's what, that's what we are dealing with. Uh, and so when we approach prayer, we approach prayer with that understanding and with that revelation to know that we are not just dealing with Mickey Mouse's here. We are dealing with strong entities. Another thing I want you to understand, Bazalwane, is that you see, demons that we normally deal with, which are small, small boys that are all over the earth, that are cast out of people. I don't know if you have been, to a, been in a situation or around a situation whereby someone was prayed for and in Ghana, and in Ghana, and in Ghana, and as hands are laid on this kid, a man speaks in a, in a funny voice, that's, that's a demon. When that demon is, is cast out, Jesus said, cast them out because they abide human bodies. So they must be cast out so that that little boy can begin to think properly. Imported thoughts that are received from the kingdom of darkness. So what demons do, now listen to this, because I wanted to understand where why we, we, we preach and minister on, on holiness. I'm going to explain to you, I hope I have enough time, Bazoni, today, because I've got so much uh, ground to cover today. But demons create portals. Portals are, are like windows or gates or openings in your soul through sin. Let me repeat that. Demons create doors. They create gates in your soul through sin that you and I commit. That way, they gain entry or they gain access. So sin becomes an invitation. See, an invitation doesn't have to be a, 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 a verbal thing in the spirit. What I do, uh, my, my actions can be an invitation to invite a, a spirit, a demonic spirit. 
So when that happens, family, why am I discussing this? It is because for you to win your battles, for you to fight and to see prayers answered, we must ensure that you are not fighting as a prisoner, but you have, you have a legal ground on which to fight. So when, we, when they gain access, when we give them access into our lives through sin, basically what happens is sin gives them what is called a, a legal right or a license to operate. That changes the whole uh, dynamic in terms of our understanding of sin because we think and he did not give me context for me to understand why my life seems to be uh, uh, frustrated by these laws. When, whenever I go to church, they just give me a list of don'ts as a young person. Now, I'm going to also make you understand that, that this life is not, about, is not about laws, but it's about legalities in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to discuss that with you so that you understand everything in a different light, family. So they gain access. When we walk in disobedience, we give them a legal right or we give them license to operate through sin, uh, you lease your life. Listen to this. Mm. I lease my life. I lease my destiny to Satan. Now, God has got nothing to do with that. His hands are bound. He would want to send an angel to intervene on my behalf and bring about a turnaround in my life, in my family. But there are things which we do that become serious matters uh, of legality in the spirit. So when, when I sin through sin, I said, uh, I, I lease my life uh, and destiny to Satan. Now in the spirit realm, we, we, we do not, I wanted to get this, Mazalwan. In the spirit realm, we do not deal with religious laws. That's, that's religion. We don't deal with religion here. In the spirit realm, we, we deal with spiritual legalities. I'm going to explain that to you so that you, you have an understanding of what we, we are talking about. There are things we don't do. See, when we talk about legalities, listen to this. Because they, they have legal repercussions in the spirit. In In the spirit. It's not about umfundis or ten It doesn't even feature in this whole thing. Because yeah, I am wrestling, I am fighting for my destiny and for the destiny of my family and the next generation. So there are things that if I do those things, they have repercussions in the spirit. If I do them and the Bible says I shouldn't do them, I get arrested in the spirit realm. In other words, your life is arrested in that area. It cannot move forward in that area because I have broken a spiritual principle in that area. And if I do that, I then give the enemy freedom to wreak havoc. It's not God who said that must happen. So I wanted to understand sin in that light. 
It's not, it's not a jogger. I want you to understand what's in it for you. What you stand to gain as a warrior and as a fighter in not doing what God said it must not, it must not be done. And so there are things we don't do not because umpishobi. We are not in the business of impressing religious people. Now let me explain that. Let me repeat that to you. Because if there's one thing that I want is to be sober. We are not in the business of impressing religious people. Often who don't even like us, they've got their own issues. They judge us, but they've got their own things somewhere in the closet. We are, so we cannot, we cannot, we, it's good to honor, honor your leadership. But understand that this is, has got everything to do with you and the Father. And that you must dig your well and put on the armor of God and begin to fight as a warrior. Mm. So if I understand these things, Bazalwan, I, I will not sleep with a woman outside of marriage because it will cost me ground in the spirit. Yeah. The reason why I'm not going to do it is not because uh, my, my, my profile and my image will be ruined. That's irrelevant. That's not even part of what we're dealing with here. There are things I will not do because they will cost me ground in the spirit. My authority in the spirit is weakened. And there are things I cannot engage in in spiritual warfare because I, I, I am bound. This is why there's a language of chains in spiritual warfare and shackles, breaking of chains. Because when I do what the Bible says I must not do, I am basically, a, a warrant of arrest is sent in that area, so I cannot, I am bound, so to speak. Now, principalities and powers, they don't address, they don't have conversations with, with, with prisoners. So you must understand that. For us to be able to face things, in, why do you think there's so many um, things happening in, in, in whole lot of communities? There's a lot of churches, but there's nothing shifting because People who seem to be praying, they are going to six to six prayers. And there's nothing wrong with six to six, by the way. Whenever I say six to six, don't think that I'm against six to six. But when you do those prayer meetings from six in the evening to six in the morning, go there sober. Know what's going on. So people who engage in warfare, they are chained people. And so they have got no authority. They have got no spiritual credentials for them to be taken seriously and for them to cause things to shift in the spirit realm. So this is why you must understand issues of spiritual jurisprudence, that there are, there are legalities in the spirit. That's why, Bazalwane, warfare and holiness go together. I, I, I hope now you understand. Warfare, prayer, and holiness must go together for those reasons. Because I cannot go into war unclothed, naked, stripped off my garment, my robe of holiness. They see that afar off, and I can pray for five hours. It means nothing to them because I, in their eyes, I am uncircumcised 
and I have no authority whatsoever to command them. Remember, they are princes. Remember, they are dignitaries. How can a guy in an orange suit tell a president, a prime minister, a premier what to do? It, it does not happen that way. So that's what happens in the realm of the spirit. So our enemy is ruthless. In the book of Isaiah, I'm going to try and, and hurry up because I think I've only covered about a quarter of what I'm supposed to deal with um, today. Prophet to Isaiah chapter 14. Or verse number 17, the Bible says, Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? So we are dealing with uh, entities here, Bazalwan, uh, who, have, who have wrecked nations. Mm. I said before, they have dethroned kings. They have wreaked havoc. They are responsible for billions of people who are godless today. They, they pull strings from beyond the skies. They control nations. They control legislation and the different things that happened in the earth. Now, let me move on to the next issue in our teaching this morning. What is their mission? What is their mission? Now, one of the main goals of what we see in Ephesians 6 these different entities of different rank in Ephesians chapter 6 is to turn the world into a wilderness. Now, I'm going to need some time, but I'm going to just try and shrink everything today. Uh, their agenda is to turn your world into a wilderness. If they can do that, they've achieved. Of course, there are other things that are there but one of their main agendas, one of their main missions is to do just that. Now, opposite my father's house, it's a double-story, beautiful uh, double-story building. It was a beautiful house. Uh, from what my father told me, uh, one of those uh, Houses, it's this one that stands out, even in terms of elevation, just above everything else. So, it was a beautiful house, but Indotale uh, was in drugs, from what I, I, I understand, and women used to come in and out of that building. Now, today, Bazalwan, that place is like a desert. Uh, the man died, and uh, there was a fight amongst his relatives in terms of who's going to take over. And then eventually no one wanted to go in there and uh, the place has been stripped. It has got no frames. It is like a, a desert. It's a desolate place. It is worse than the, the, the homes. normally. Uh, it has become a desert. I know in your, in your, in your township, wherever you, you grew up, Lanikona, uh, there would be houses like that. There used to be a family that lived there and something happened. Now, there are different reasons, of course, why that would happen. So that is the agenda of the enemy. Now, his strategy is, number one, he first does that spiritually. He corrupts the soul. Just allow me to build a case. All I'm doing, I'm building a case for prayer. I want us to understand this in a holistic manner, why we need to pray more than we have ever prayed before. 
So uh, for him to be able to, to bring desolation and to cause your, your, your household to be a desert, sometimes you can even see the, the, the signs already that we are moving. We, we, we are moving to a place where this whole thing is going to be a desert, a wilderness, if we do not move at a speed spiritually. So he corrupts the soul, corrupts the mind. And of course, a corrupted soul uh, gives birth to a corrupted uh, behavior and culture. Now, what I wanted to know, which is important to you and I as prayer warriors, what happens in our soul uh, gets reflected in our physical. Often the physical is a reflection of the state of the soul. Once he hits for him to cause your world to be a desert, he will first cause your soul to, to be a desert. So he's going to bring a, a level of dryness and drought at the level of the soul. Because once he hits you at the level of the soul, your soul becomes a wasteland, a dry place. Whatever happens in the physical always reflects what is in the soul. The best example of that is if you take somebody, you give them a room. Now, what is in them <clears throat> gets reflected in even how they are deco, how they, how they begin to beautify the whole place. Now, because of the spirit in them, you, then you get a lazy person with a, a spirit in them of, of just a um, just, just destructive spirit. You put them in the same building. Within a week, the place is upside down because the natural reflects that which is on the inside. So it is important, therefore, for us to understand a wilderness beyond what we have known. Because I know that we know a definition of a wilderness as, as a wasteland, a dry place, and, and all that. But in the spirit, in warfare, as we build a case for prayer today, a, a wilderness is an environment that receives seed but fights the produce thereof. Let me repeat that. A wilderness is a place, an environment that receives seed, but fights the produce. It is a place that produces no fruit, an unproductive place, a place that fights and rejects productivity and growth. Now, I want you to understand that because it is important for us to begin to work in this revelation of understanding you and I. So remember, I said the, the agenda of the kingdom of darkness, when they sit there and they strategize, number one, they are going to make sure that they, they, they deal with your soul. How do we ensure that our, 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 our soul becomes a garden, an Eden, that God can begin to, to enjoy and reap fruit? We, we need to study the word and we need to pray and we need to do all these things that you are taught at church. Now, I'm going to, maybe on Wednesday, I'm going to go to that. Now, I want you to go to that book in, 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 in Genesis. Remember that in, in the Garden of Eden, Eden had much productivity. Eden was, 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 was much productive and man was at the center. Now, the enemy hated that. Because when they sit in the second heaven, one thing they don't want to do is to see the, the will of God being reflected in the earth. So God's Eden project was disrupted before time, was terminated by Satan, by Satan uh, prematurely. 
Let me repeat that. God's Eden project was terminated by Satan prematurely. That is what he wants to do. He wants to strip you off and make a wilderness of you and make a wilderness of your, of your family. There's homes. Now, the, the walls in this case are still there, right? The walls are still there. But I want you to understand the, the agenda of the enemy. When you talk about a, a household where umama, nobaba, nengane, they are alcoholics. Understand that that place is on its way to being a world. That's the agenda of the enemy. Nothing. There is no fruit that will come there. The next generation will receive nothing from that particular household. So he wants to strip you and I and make a wilderness of you. He wants to make a wilderness of me. Do you remember what Adam did as soon as he sinned? Do you, do you recall that as soon as sin entered him, one of the first thing he did, he broke fig leaves. He broke them. Basically, he depleted the garden. He was the first one. If you talk about deforestation, he was the first one to engage in that. That's what sin does. As soon as sin entered him, he goes, basically he broke a branch of a tree so that he could cover himself. That is the agenda of the enemy. Now, because of what Adam did, God was forced to go and slaughter an animal so that he could cover him. So when Jesus died on the cross, Restoration began, Bazalwan. I want you to track, come with me. Track with me. I want to lay this solid thing with you, which I hope you'll remember years to come. So when we discuss principalities and powers, we're discussing beings that don't want anything to grow out of you. They don't want anything to come out of your life. Satan and his, um, and his entourage and everybody that he works with, he wants to strip you. He wants to strip me. And he must be stopped. He must be prevented. If you thought Ukolo was just, just you know, something that women do and they go to church and they make noise there, I want you to get a, a different uh, mindset and perspective when it comes, that's, that's the danger of religion, by the way. Because religion is the, is the engineering of the devil. He's, he's responsible for that. He, he's behind that architecture called religion. God is not in it. So I wanted to understand that God wants you to bloom. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to thrive and to flower. He wants to water you. And let streams flow in and through you, as it was the case in the Garden of Eden. But the enemy will have nothing uh, of it. He will not allow for that to happen. So your restoration, Bazalwan, and my restoration is, is not for God's entertainment. Believe, it, believe, believe me, the saints, you know now, I, I am getting into the meat of what I'm supposed to discuss with you. <laughs> This is when this is where it, it begins. So the, the enemy wants to strip you. 
it ensures that what was stopped in the Garden of Eden, God's Eden project is continued. Now, it does not happen in a particular physical area, what they call real estate, a piece of real estate called Eden. Now, you and I become his garden. Now, you and I become a place that he wants to water, he wants to see thrive, he wants to see produce come out of us. He wants to see uh, us creating an environment where he can come in the cool of the day. Remember the Bible said uh, in the Garden of Eden, God would come in the cool of the day and he would commune with men and he would begin to speak. And the more he spoke, men grew in the spirit until that dreaded day when the enemy came and he began to speak to Eve. So when, when we pray and we get a breakthrough, it's not just for, for our vanity. When God begins to move in our lives and he changes our lives and he begins to bless us and he begins to answer our prayers and he causes prosperity to flow, he causes you and I to succeed and there's just a flow of, of, of grace upon our lives. Our businesses begins to thrive. Our careers begin to thrive. Our finances begin to thrive. It is not just because it entertains him. He has got no, he, gave, he gets no entertainment value from such. It is not because we are being vain. I want you to understand that when prayer gets answered, it is fulfillment of prophecy. When prayer gets answered, when this garden begins to thrive, when seed begins to grow, the seed of his word, when the, the, the spirit becomes flesh, we begin to touch and we begin to, that which was in the spirit realm, it begins to be visible, tangible, palpable, and concrete. God receives glory. Answered prayer is fulfillment of prophecy. If you want to see why you must fight, why you must have success, why you must experience a blessing in your life, why your life must blossom, why your life must thrive and flourish, understand that God seeks more than just to satisfy my lust for things. God seeks more than just to fulfill our worldly passions. God has an agenda. There's something about your prayer that he must answer for him. There is something in it for him. So now if you are dealing with carnal people, carnal people will always bring carnality to everything. Now they will always pray because it's always about them. The whole world orbits around them. So what I'm presenting to you today, a very few of you may have heard because it must be spoken uh, by people who understand covenant, by people who understand what uh, prophecy is and what apostolic mandate is all about. So my victory, let me, let me repeat that to you. And I hope you could repeat it where you are. Your victory fulfills prophecy. This is why you must pray. This is why you must pray until you receive it. Because your victory fulfills prophecy. Your success has a prophetic mandate. Your, prophet, your, your, your success and my success has a prophetic mandate. 
In the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, verse number 3, the Bible says, For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Then it says, Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Now, this, this, this particular scripture says, He will. In other words, God has promised. Now, this must be fulfilled. There must be a generation that appropriates the promise, that owns the promise, a generation that prays so that this can be realized. It's in the heart of the Father for this to happen. But there must arise in the earth a people who will pray because they realize that answered prayer is fulfillment of prophecy. There must be a generation, Bazalwan, that will realize that particular promises, certain promises, must be fulfilled in our lifetime. For a promise to be fulfilled, a generation must arise and say, it must be fulfilled in our lifetime. This must be done in our lifetime. So when that gets answered, God receives the, the glory. So understand then what again, a prayerless generation will not have this. A generation that does not pray, there are promises and there are prophecies that will skip a generation because no one stretched out their hand to grasp and to grab that which God wanted to release upon a generation. No wonder why there have been generations where nothing happened of significance. You know, there's a generation of people that's just, that's just criminals in that particular household. And there is, um, you know, everybody that gets born is just devastation. Because for something to begin to shift in a family, for the destiny of a household to be realized, somebody must arise within that household and begin to uh, engage in warfare and say, Father, that which was preordained for my family shall be done in my lifetime. I pray in the name of Jesus. So understand that your answered prayer again is what? Is fulfillment of prophecy. He would fulfill all the stuff that he talks about in a particular generation. So let us arise and be those people who will not sleep, who will not just lie down, but will begin to arise and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am here. I was not before, now I am here. Whatever skipped my forefathers, whatever they did not grasp because they did not have revelation, that's why there has been a, a line, a string of, of stuff that has been happening in my bloodline because no one uh, rose up to begin to claim things that were set aside for your household. Now, Lord, I am rising up in Jesus' name. I am your redeemed. I am your son. I am your daughter. I come in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I wanted to understand that by allowing God to come by inviting God in us. We are fighting for the manifestation of 
the fulfillment of prophecy by allowing God in us and by engaging in prayer. Whenever you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, it's not just about going to heaven. It's just an entry point. You are just stepped into the gate. From that point onward, you have made it possible for the future generations to have restoration of the things that God always wanted fulfilled and restored in that particular generation. Failure of a Christian Bazalwan, failure to, to pray and failure to begin to engage and to take God seriously, basically what we do is we suspend fulfillment of prophecy. Understand that. We suspend fulfillment of prophecy. It's not, it's not God's will for your healing to be delayed. Of course, it does get delayed because of what I've explained before. There is so much that we have to deal with in the spirit realm. But your delayed healing does not help fulfill prophecy. So God cannot be in heaven just waiting, folding up his arms, just watching you suffer. Uh, your, your delayed deliverance does not glorify God. So there, there must be an understanding of these things in the church that God wants us to be an extension of his will. By us praying, by us engaging in prayer, there is something that happens in the supernatural. He wants us to partner with him in fulfilling prophecy. He wants us to partner with him in fulfilling prophecy. A decision to pray, a decision to engage in, in warfare is a decision to form an alliance with God, is a decision to form a partnership with God so that prophecy could be fulfilled. Amen. So I realize that we have about two minutes before we, we stop. I have about 60% of this message still ready. So I, I, I am going to stop here and not move on and perhaps just consolidate a few things with your family, uh, which is spiritual warfare must be understood in a different light. Now, on Wednesday, I don't want you to miss Wednesday because uh, there, there are things about prayer which I, I need to discuss with you on Wednesday. But spiritual warfare and, and prayer must be understood in a different light. God wants to answer prayer. He has got something to benefit from it because it fulfills prophecy. It proves him right. I will discuss certain things with you, what it does in the spirit when prayer is answered. But I want you to understand that spiritual warfare and obedience to God's word are a demonstration that we are not willing to accept what Satan presents to us. A decision to pray is a decision not to sign the, 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 the contract that the enemy is, 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 is uh, presenting to us. A decision to pray is, is a decision to disconnect with the status quo. We are saying, Father, we want that which you have preordained for us. We want fulfillment of our prophetic destiny as a household, as a family. Prayer is us pressing in and moving out of the present into the future. Prayer 
is a demonstration that I am not willing to submit and to bow and to yield to what the enemy is presenting to me through present circumstances and situations. Prayer and spiritual warfare is us commanding our present to be in line with our preordained destiny. Let me repeat that spiritual warfare and prayer is us commanding our present, us refusing to submit and to bow to the voice of the enemy and to circumstances. Refusal to pray or laziness in prayer is us forming an alliance with the enemy to freeze prophecy, 